Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve, and welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. So glad to have you with us here today. Whether you're listening live on one of the many radio stations that carries us, you're listening on iTunes, iHeart, here locally on our website, you're listening on um, you know all the different places, Blog Talk Radio, um, Speak Up Talk Radio, um, and the many others that have picked us up. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to those networks for carrying our show, but also more importantly to you for listening, whether this show is airing live right now for you, or it aired two, three years ago, this is exactly what you need for today. Today, you're going to get the breakthrough that you need to be able to take your business to the next level because what I really want to focus in on today is uncovering your passion. So you've probably heard this phrase, you know, do what you love and it'll never seem like work. Some of us can tell you that honestly, no matter how much you love what you're doing, there are days that it's just work. But the concept still holds true because it's your passion that propels you into the uh, the next stage of your life. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, uh, my book, 10 Things You Must Have to Succeed in Life and Business, we actually just are in the process of re-releasing all 10 of the chat, all 10 of the things as individual short read books that you can get on Amazon. The first book in the Thriving Entrepreneur series, um, I'm sorry, the Thriving Success series um, is called Passion. And so I want to just talk to you, uh, you know, starting off today about your passion. You see, the passion is the thing that propels us. So many people say that, you know, well, what I'm passionate about is I'd like to make money. I want to make more money. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that it's not really the money that you're passionate about. Let's get real for a minute. If we were just money motivated, we were Scrooge McDuck swimming through piles and piles and stacks of gold and we just loved our money we didn't really want to spend it on anything it wasn't going to get us anywhere we just wanted to amass wealth we like a dragon were laying on top of our stacks of gold hoarding it living on it and just you know having it there so we can play with it you know, for some of us that have that little bit of dragon tendency, that doesn't sound so bad. I get it. I understand. But the truth of the matter is, is, is that most of us, when we really get real, the money isn't about just amassing giant piles of money. It's about what we can do with it. Um, you know, some people will talk about the philanthropic things that they want to do in the world and the good that they want to do, you know, and there's people, uh, you know, so many examples come to mind. You know, right now I was thinking of Oprah and the girls school that she has in Africa um, and, and many different others that I know that 
do great helps around the world, whether it be um, in the country they live in or in a completely different country, they use their money to do that. Other people, they use their money to uh, enhance the quality of our lives. I think of somebody like a Richard Branson. Um, you know, the things that he has come up with. Um, I don't know if you've ever flown Virgin Airlines. They're not paying for this uh, ad that I'm going to give them here. But it's a great experience. Um, especially, you know, just try it once. Fly first class on Virgin, uh, Virgin America. And you'll really, you'll question flying anywhere else. Um you know, and it's that kind of level of service and the comfort of the different things that he brings into our lives, whether it be in the music industry or, um, you know, through airlines or, or the different, many, many different companies that he has. Um, you know, Bill Gates is another great example. He spent years improving the quality of allowing a individual to have on their desk the ability to do what you used to have warehouses you used to need in order to be able to do it, to write an operating system that could run a small computer and those kind of things. And now these days, you know, they're focused on how can we, uh, you know, get some technically uh, trained kids? How can we bring technology into education and what kind of things can we do in that? And I know that's very much the heart and soul of his wife's passion as well. And, and so they do that. And so the money takes them to that. Sometimes the money is just, you know, more day-to-day -day practical. Um, you look at your children at whatever age they are, you know, whether they're cute and small or they're teenagers and they have way too many attitudes or uh, they're young adults just springing out into the world or maybe they've got a young family of themselves and, uh, you know, whatever stage, you know, maybe maybe you're even at the age where now you have great-grandkids. Um, you know, you sometimes just want to provide for the needs of your immediate house and your extended family. Um, and that's what you do. And so the passion begins to unveil itself based not on amassing giant hordes of money, but rather just simply on what is important to you in this world. And so the first question that often is asked is, you know, if you could... If you could do anything, you know, I mean, if you could just, if money wasn't an option and you didn't have to worry about paying bills or any of the kind of things, what would you spend your time doing? Um, and then I challenge you, though, with that. Is that practical? Is it constructive? And does it bring out the best version of yourself? Because there are times in all of our lives where, you know, the concept of sitting and playing a video game or, or binge watching things on Netflix for just days, weeks, months, years. Um, you know, it sounds very appealing, but typically speaking, I don't know that I've met anybody that doing those kind of things really lights them up, really ignites the passion inside of them. Um, it could be things like, you know, helping the elderly, um, being, you know, my wife, Kathy is a perfect example of somebody who just loves research. You know, if, we, if she could, in a perfect world, sit in a room filled with books and computers and just research things all day long, just 
you know, research them out, write business plans. Now, in a perfect world, I know my wife well enough to know that what she would then want to do is have a whole bunch of people that she could give the concepts that she's come up with and have them create the next new business for us. And, um, you know, really honestly, in a perfect world for Kathy, for the heart and soul of both who she is as a person as well as where her passion lies, she could probably roll out a new company anywhere from every week to once a month. And, um, and most of them would probably be hugely phenomenally successful, just as successful as the things that we've done over the course of the last 20 years. And as the best selling author stuff is right now, that is the heart of her passion. The thing about, um, you know, using that as still as an example is just locking yourself into a room and just collecting data um, imagine if somebody who was world changing like Albert Einstein would have had all the amazing theories, some of which, you know, scientists don't still totally have the ability to wrap their minds around. What if he had had all of those, but they were just in a notebook somewhere and he never shared them with the world? Your passion, regardless of what level you qualify it at, is just that important. And that's where the where the trip up comes is most of us don't have a problem identifying what really lights us up, what we really love to do. Most of us trip up with really understanding how that works in a day-to-day world. How can I live in the heart, the soul, the center of my passion and also still pay my bills you know, raise my children to be productive members of society, be a contributing member of society myself, all those kind of things. How can I have both of those exist at the same time? And that, that is where your passion meets business. There are some great ways to go about that. So number one, you do have to identify what is the reason why I want that. And again, I urge you, take you know, because I want money off of the table and really think, what is it about that thing that I do that I get really excited about? What is it about it that excites me? Is it the discovery? You know, is it the, um, you know, is it the practical creation? There are some people that I know that are extremely mechanically inclined. They, they just work with their hands and it's almost magical to watch them because of their ability to um, fix and or create things with their hands. And, uh, you know, so it, it doesn't have to be just some brainy or some philanthropic thing. It could be just something as practical as, you know, hey, I take this torn apart machine and um, I put this with it and that with it. And next thing you know, it's working. Or I take these parts of unrelated things and I put them together and then I've got something that's brand new that the world's never seen. You know, as a child who graduated in 1985, um, very much the culture of the 80s was that of discovery and invention, you know, microwaves and personal computers. And, you know, eventually, you know, a couple years later in my life, the cell phone began to come out. And, you know, by the time you're into the, the late 90s, the 
you know, cellular technology has just taken off. And by the time you're now into 2017, um, you know, smartphones and it gets to the point where, you know, a lot of people don't even have internet connections anymore because of all the things they do, um, on their phones. And other people have moved away from the cable company because their internet connection provides for them all of the things that they need in both work and entertainment. And those all started from somebody who saw a vision of something bigger, something different than what we had ever seen before. And then they took that and they put together their passion for invention and they created stuff that have revolutionized our life. And whether it be a thought, a good work, something mechanical, any of those kind of things, it's that ability to take what you're passionate about, monetize it, and really make a difference in the world that is really, truly one of the major reasons why we're on this planet. And something that I want to really challenge you today to go with me as we talk about the whole concept of living a life of passion and getting paid to do it. Does that sound good? Does that sound like something you'd like to do? I've got a great special guest speaker today that's going to talk specifically to us about how we can really ignite that passion within us and then get paid to live in the center of our passion every day of our life. Now, how does that sound for a way to live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about igniting your passion and then making money doing what you're passionate about. I think it's something that all of us, that our business owners really want to do in the world. It allows us the ability to show up as the best version of ourselves, but also allows us to really enjoy all of the days of our lives. And in the end, isn't that what we really mean by being a thriving entrepreneur? So I don't want this to just be a soliloquy from me the whole time talking to you about passion. You know, I mean, I do have a book and, um, you know, honestly, the audio version of it when I did it originally was about an hour. So I know I can drone on about this, but I want to bring to you somebody else that can give us some really good perspective. And so I'd really like for you to embrace it, get a pen and paper and get ready to really dive into your passion and find ways that we can help you monetize it today. Are you ready? 
Join me in welcoming Elliot Kay. Hi, Elliot. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. So we can tell from the accent that you're from somewhere in the UK. Tell us a little bit about your background. So, yes, it's an interesting one, actually, because I'm half British, half Argentinian. So it's a, it's a real mixture of cultures. Uh, and you should, you should see what it's like when England are playing Argentina in the football or soccer, as you guys would say, or even in the rugby. But yes, I, I live in the UK. I'm coming over to LA to make a dent, make an impact. And I'm bringing over my English charm. And I've lived here most of my life, but I've also lived and toured uh, various countries like Africa, the Middle East, uh, obviously the USA and Europe. And that's just a little bit about my background, my heritage for you. I was just watching a show on TV the other day, and it was about, um, you know, some of the uh, Nazis that went and hid in Argentina. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and as you were saying, you were both UK and Argentinian, and I was like, hmm, that could make for a really interesting combination. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and add to that, I'm Jewish as well. So there you go. There's, there's a whole different element added to my background. No kidding. Talk about internal struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have the guilt, the passion, and the manners <laughs> all combined. So tell everybody what it is that you uh, like to share with the world. What I love sharing with the world is a business creation methodology and succession planning. I like to share with the world tools that I'm wholeheartedly passionate about, which help businesses grow strategically, which means people have a more peaceful life and they can do more of what they love, more of an impact and actually get paid for it, what they value and what they are worth. That's what I love sharing with the world. Because if we all have better lives, then we'll have less conflict and then we'll do less silly things uh, in the world. And that's what I love sharing with the world. Love it and get paid for it. It does seem like the perfect combination. Um, so what's the secret? Let's start off with the easy one or maybe the harder one. I'm not sure which way you want to take that. Um, how do you determine what it is that you really, truly love? That's a really, really good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I get that a lot. Often what I say to people, it lies within your story. It lies within your background. And what we have five key components to ascertaining what your business purpose is uh, and that's what you're passionate about but a lot of people think passion is enough and it's not where do you want to make an impact how are you going to do that through services what's the turnover you want to make and create as a business and what's the lifestyle you want it to support once you put all those elements together you have a strong strategic purpose the best way to find out what you are passionate about what your purpose is in life is to look within your story is to look within your story because that's where it lies well and you made a good point in there about lifestyle because yeah. a lot of times you know people will see something that somebody else is doing and it looks interesting mm. um and it sparks them but they don't think about the lifestyle of it. The perfect example I use is, is if you really want to travel, you want to see the world, mm -hmm. and you've got a job that has you in a cubicle 
Um, right. Even if it's work from home cubicle, you're not going to have the lifestyle that's going to make you feel fulfilled. Absolutely. And I think what a lot of people do, Steve, is they take on what I call a Hollywood version of what they think they should be having as a lifestyle, right? And that doesn't just mean the cars and the houses, but they go, oh, look at, let's say, Tony Robbins. He's got a great lifestyle. That's what I should be being, or that's who I should be uh, aspiring to be, versus building the lifestyle that's in line with their highest values, what's important to them, in many words, uh, and of course, what will give them fulfillment. And it's not necessarily what Tony Robbins lives or how Steve Kidd lives or how Elliot Kay lives. It's actually what's true to them, to their highest values, which is in line with what they want to achieve. And often it's very different to what they think or what they're buying into as a lifestyle. Very different. I actually was working with one of our authors um, on her new book, and that really came really clear because there is a type of speaking that she wants to do. Um, and mm -hmm. because of her desire to do that, she's trying to create a book that really isn't very genuine, you know, and it ends up sounding a lot like, you know, Everyone also else. ran. Yeah, you know, and yeah. whereas when, when we share the core of us, even if, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times people struggle with it because they're very, uh, what Lisa Nichols calls informational speakers, you know, they're a kind of a just the facts, ma'am, kind of a person, um, you know, they tend to want to make that something else rather than embracing how much power there is in just being yourself. Absolutely. And the thing is, you know, it's the whole, all you can be is yourself, everyone else is taken, right? And again, to me, it comes back to this need, this desire to sound, to, to be uh, associated with someone else in the industry or to sound more clever than you are. And actually people buy authenticity, people buy people, people buy your story. And people will often overcomplicate things in order to sound like versus here's my voice. This is what I sound like. This is what I feel like. Especially as an author, what will distinguish you, I mean, this is your field, is you, right? You, your story, your style, your literature, what you got to say. But if you over-intellectualize it or put, turn it into something that it's not, it becomes like something that people just don't want to buy or they, they, they won't associate with or you'll miss your market. And from a strategy point of view, that's really disastrous because you put all this effort in writing this amazing book, then you'll go and change it so it sounds like someone else, then people won't really buy it, there'll be something incongruent, you'll be frustrated, you'll be annoyed, and you won't get the result you want from it. Just like that. And because we are talking about doing something you love and then monetizing it so that you make money doing it, mm. um, it's really important for us to come back to how important it is to love it because at some point, work is just work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And look, if, and I have a real, I don't know about you, Steve, but I have a real qualm with this search for happiness versus looking for fulfillment. Now, when you're doing something you love, you'll have fulfillment. To me, fulfillment is much more sustainable than happiness. Happiness comes and goes, right? It, we're up, we're down. We're just human beings. We can't be happy all the time. But when you do something that you love and you're getting paid for it, I strongly believe, and even in my lifestyle, 
that you'll have fulfillment and fulfillment is everlasting as long as you stick to what you love you do what you're passionate about you are getting paid for it there still has to be a commercial viability to what you love right um if you want to sell you know the tops of bottles because you have a passion for them but no one wants to buy them but you love it you know that's not going to give you fulfillment or happiness but if you find an industry and a market that's hungry for what you want for what you love and you're charging accordingly now we're talking but also, I think a lot of people think, well, if I just want to do what I love, I'm going to be happy all the time. And again, like I say, and please, anyone feel free to dispute this with me. Happiness is unsustainable in the long term. As in, you'll have happy days, you'll have sad days, you'll have up, you'll have down, you'll have side, you'll have left. Do you know what I mean? But when you do what you love and you're building the business who you love in a sustainable fashion, you'll have fulfillment. And for me, fulfillment is the ultimate even more than happiness i'd rather wake up fulfilled every day than happy every day because i know if i'm happy every day at some point i'm going to crash but if i'm fulfilled it's much more manageable and that's coming back to doing what you love well and it's interesting that you talk about the concept of commercial viability mm -hmm. of what you love because sometimes it's it's not a million miles away it's a needle shift so you used the example of you know wanting to sell bottle caps you know mm -hmm. and immediately my mind flashed to and it's been eight or ten years ago now but there was a really hot trend for putting little images of iconic characters into bottle caps and selling them as necklaces, as bracelets, as crafting type of items. So even in that, you know, you can do what you love. You just got to look at that commercial viability. So talk to us more about the concept of commercial viability. Here's the thing, uh, and you probably get this from, you know, you work with a lot of authors. Not all great ideas make a great book, right? Um, it still needs to be pulled out. So not all great ideas are going to be a viable business are going to be something that people want to buy. So people buy for pain or pleasure, right? People aspire or they want to deal with the pain. So the commercial viability of a concept has to, you have to be able to prove that there's a market that's willing to spend money on it. Whether you're dealing with a pleasure part of the market, so, you know, let's say, you know, higher, um, higher, uh, what was I going to say? Kind of your top class spas, right? you know, your really expensive, top of the range spas. They're not really dealing with the pain. That's a pleasure thing. So when whoever came up with that concept still had to prove people are willing to pay that money, that there's a demand for it. Pain, you have to prove that the pain is there, that people are willing to spend money to resolve that pain. So for yourself, Steve, when you're offering to work with authors, you're probably, and this is an assumption because we've spoken once before, is you help them take away the pain of releasing a book and getting it out there, getting it to number one, right? You show them, you take that pain away and show them the way, right? There's a proof of, there's a proof of concept there. But not, like, I'm sure you get people going, oh, I want to write a book about this. And like, well, that's not really a great market. You're not going to get a lot of traction. It's not going to sustain. And that's when it becomes a problem. I know I'm just talking about books, but generally a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, think that their idea is the next Facebook or think their next idea is the biggest thing to come yet since the slice of bread. And until you can prove it with data, with proof that it's commercial, that people are willing to spend on it, 
So you talk about the, the, the caps with the images, right? They would have tested that concept. They would have then evaluated and then have a very clever marketing plan, right? Um, there was proof of concept there, but not everything people are willing to spend money. Not everything is a full-time business. And that's where people need to understand that just because you have an idea or just because some of your friends bought your bracelets at a market stall or you know, you're selling 10, 20 bracelets online, that that's enough for it to be a viable business to be the next case, for example, just choosing my last name, if you know what I mean. Do you, and I think I that's a really, you know, and that's a really important point. And time and time again, you're met with that, that kind of bullheaded entrepreneur that's going to prove the world wrong. <clears throat> and you do get that one or two that manage to do that, but very rarely does it work. You know, Elon Musk, incredible guy, genius, but he went against the grain and he proved everyone because he knew that there was a demand for what he's producing. He knew that it could work. He knew people would buy into it. He had a strategy. He didn't just go, you know what? I'm going to make PayPal. Go. Or was it Skype? You know what I mean? Right? He didn't just go or Tesla. Like he tests things. He doesn't just go after things. And that's what clever entrepreneurs do. Well, and again, I love how that comes back full circle because finding out what you're truly passionate about, where the core of you is, becomes paramount because the trend of, well, go back to the bottle caps. You know, if you try to sell bottle caps on Etsy or eBay or, you know, one of those places, you'd be lucky if you got 10 cents for them now. They were crazy popular, you know, <laughs> yeah. but now they're not. And that's what happens when we chase trends rather than chasing our passion. Correct. And you know what? Trends can last anything from a year to five years. You know, yoga is still considered a trend, by the way, even though it's very well established. There's so many products around it. It's still considered a trend because it hasn't quite peaked. So it's still considered, you know, our, the obsession with coconut, coconut this and coconut that, that's still a trend. A lot of people confuse, you know, trending online these days with a trend. And I think that's important to understand from a business point of view. Something trending online doesn't mean it's a trend because a trend curve tends to be years or can be very short if it doesn't trend for very long. Trending online means it's gone viral, everyone's talking about it, it's a cat that's playing the piano, it's trending for a while and it'll fade away. Big difference. So the caps, right, were trending, but it was never a trend. There is a clear distinction and people are getting confused the two, especially with social media these days. Trends, trending, something that's trendy. All of those are things that we can chase. But in the end, if you're not passionate about it, when times get tough, you know, it says when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, you know, when times get tough, a lot of times where the tough get going is out of that into something else. And honestly, I can tell you that if you spend your career chasing trends, trendy things, or something that somebody tells you is trending, you'll end up, uh, you know, never really living in the core of your passion because you're always trying to... 
you know, placate other people or find something that other people like. Whereas when you just do the heart and soul and core of who you are and find a way to monetize that, then then you end up having a powerfully dynamic company, something that has fire, something that in the bad days you feel encouraged and inspired because you still get to do that thing, and something in the good days that you will find yourself saying, hey, I can't even believe that I get to do this. And then in the end, because we're always talking about what it means to live our lives as a thriving entrepreneur, that's what we get to do. We get to thrive. And that's what we want to help you to do with this show today. Live in the heart of your passion so that you can live as a thriving entrepreneur. And we'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because... It serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We are here with Elliot Kay today, and we're talking about living in the heart and the soul of your passion, how to do what you're passionate about and make money doing it. We want to jump right back into my conversation with Elliot and see what other great things we can point out to you about how to live within your passion. In the end, if you, number one, know what lifestyle you're going after, and number two, you really, really get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And then number three, you accept that. And I think that's oh, yeah. probably the biggest place that I've seen people struggle with is, is that they then discover who they are, but then they spend days, weeks, months, decades, millennia, <laughs> you know, right. fighting against who they really are. Exactly. Acceptance. Everything starts with acceptance. Well, well said, Steve. If you can't accept who you are and where you are, you're going to struggle. Uh, you know, everything starts with acceptance. I've come from a, you know, pretty messed up in theory, not in theory, practically, you know, background. I had a father who's an alcoholic, had a mother that's a workaholic. You know, I'm, I'm very close to them both. My father's recovering. I was sexually abused as a child. I had lots and lots of problems, right? Not by my parents, by the way. Yeah. I had to come to a place of acceptance that that happened to me. And I had to accept that this is who I am to move forward, right? And, and unless you can accept where you are now without comparing to where you should or want to be, you're going you're gonna, to you know, have a massive battle. Today, I, I was sitting with my mentor, an incredible guy, really successful. I mean, he, 
He has a business that spreads across four continents, seven different cities. He owns eight companies outright. He's 20% shareholder in another 10. He knows his stuff. And he said to me, Elliot, those who think that the, the ride is going to be smooth are in for a rough ride. And those who accept that the ride is rough are in for a smoother uh, ride. And it's so true. But that starts with the acceptance that the ride is going to be rough. It starts with the acceptance that you're imperfectly perfect. It starts with the acceptance that you might not be where you want to be, but it doesn't mean you're never going to get there. And you're right. Unless you can accept yourself, you're going to be on that rocky road all the time. And it just really does become the perfect circle because it really does uh, boil down to your passion. Mm. Really being in the, in the heart of that is what then gets you through those down times rather than living in some Shangri-La where there's just, you know, and then I'm going to create this business and everything's going to be great. Well, I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, I'm sure could tell you some stories about some downtimes, you know, and I know Bill Gates can, you know, and I mean, all of those kind of things, they have the downs to go with the ups. It was the passion yeah. that drove them. Yeah. And you know, you never get to this, this euphoric, utopian, everything smooth. You know, it just doesn't happen. Uh, and it just gets tougher. Of course, you, you smooth things out and you can work on stuff. But I just want to be very clear that if you're in it for the long run and you're in it to make an impact or dent in the industry, it's just going to get more and more challenging, which is why you have to love and be passionate about what you do. The other thing, of course, is, Steve, is people do not need to have to aim for the millionaire plus status all the time. You can have a very good life on half a million, on a quarter of a million. It all depends on your lifestyle, but you've got to take the downs with the ups. Let go of this delusion that it's just going to suddenly be okay, <clears throat> right? Every entrepreneur has their ups and downs. I've been bankrupt. I've been suicidal. I've had money, you know, I've been depressed. Um, and that's what drove me. That's what drove me to change it all. Um, now I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful daughter. I run two businesses, six figures. I, I'm living the lifestyle I want to live. Of course, there's another level, right? Um, however, I would rather leave this world knowing that I put my time in something I loved and passionate about. And maybe I didn't make it to the 10 million, 11 million, 1 billion, but I lived the life that served my family, my kids, my, my wife, and I did it because I loved it and passionate about it versus chasing the dream or chasing the money and hating myself every day. So don't get us wrong. We like money. hundred <laughs> percent. I said that earlier um, on, right? I said that commercial viability, make money doing what you love. Please. Yeah. Make so let's, money. let's talk a little bit about some real key strategies to making the money part of doing what you love. Right. The best strategy I can give you in the short time we have is forget for a second how good your product is. Forget for a second how great your service is. Take the time to find out who your ideal customer is. Who is your ideal customer that you want to work with or serve that you can get them results and they can pay you what you want. Find out what their pain is and create the product to serve their pain, right? That is one of the best gold dust strategies you can have out there. 
It doesn't mean you need to test things and refine things, but you serve your ideal customer. The more you serve your ideal customer, the more they're going to buy from you. The business grows, the more money you make, the more lifestyle you live, the quicker you can make an impact in this world. That is one of the core strategies of anyone I work with. Please don't tell me how good your product is. Please don't tell me how good your service is. Who's your ideal customer? Does it serve their pain? If it doesn't serve their pain, they're either not your ideal customer or you need to tweak your product. That is one of the key things I can tell you uh, to do. The other thing to do is like this. If you want to kind of imagine a little flip chart or a little writing board, and whenever you're looking to do something, you start with what's the objective of what we're doing? What's the key strategy to get us there? And you break it down into the tactics to fulfill the strategy, right? So if we take um, Apple, which when Steve Jobs took over, his objective was to make Apple great again. The strategy was to focus on experience, not engineering. And then he had a whole list of tactics to achieve that. Scale back from 40 products to four, right? Really look at the design and the smoothness. And that's some key strategies. So look at objective, strategy, tactics. Don't get stuck in the tactics. Look at the strategy. And that only needs to be one or two lines, right? So those are some key strategies you can use. But please, please, please keep your customer. Be customer-centric. Do it. Make it about your customer, not how brilliant your product is. And I would be willing to bet that you probably have a several week, several month program for helping people identify their ideal client. Um, I know we do as well. But yeah. just for sake of the program, um, mm-hmm. what would be some quick tips on how a person can really identify who is my ideal customer? Who am I meant to serve? The three things I mentioned before. Who do you want to work or serve, right? Who is the audience you want to invest your energy, time into? Who, uh, that you can get them results as well. So you want to work with them and you can get results and they can pay for what you are offering. Those are my key things. If you don't do my whole avatar thing, then those are key things. Yeah, just think. Who is it I want to serve? What's the industry or what's the clientele I want to serve? Can I get them results with my product? If not, it needs tweaking or they're the wrong audience. And the third one is, of course, can they pay me? Can they pay me what I want? Can they pay for the product? Because if they can't, they're not your ideal client. But it doesn't mean you don't have different pricing strategies, entry points. That's slightly different. But ultimately, if they can't pay you what you want, then they're not your ideal client. And those are three tips really off the bat. Sit there. Who do I want to work with? What results can I get them? Can they pay me what I want? Yes, yes, yes. That's a good start. I like that. And, you know, a lot of times uh, that initial person, when you're just kind of testing out the market, are going to be people like you. Hmm. Because you know you well enough to know this is a need that I have in my life. That's how come I know I can solve it. Because I did in my own life. Exactly. It's you two years ago. It's you five years ago. And a lot of people, again, they resist that. Like, no, I don't want to work with the me. Work with the you. You know you really well, right? You're absolutely spot on that, Steve. 100%. So, Elliot, you've got a speaking um, opportunity that's happening here in the LA area. Um, tell us just briefly what people could expect um, out of the, uh, the time that you're going to be here speaking and, and what the event's all about? Um, so they'll expect a very charming, half English, half Argentinian man 
to stand in front of them and charm them, of course, but realistically and results orientated, because actually I had a, had a chat with my PR agent in America. She said, Elliot, Americans just want results, right? No matter how charming you are. I said, cool. So what I'm going to do is I am going to take them through my strategy system, which covers everything we've discussed. And the results from that is you leave with something that you can implement right away. And you have a completely different understanding of what it takes to strategically get you to the next level in your business, whether your concept or whether you've got cash flow and you're up and running up to the million space. We really help you solidify the five key strategies. So you leave with something tangible in your hand, ready to go. Now, of course, there's another level. I'm there for two weeks. So I do have a, a, a much more in-depth strategy, but come spend a day with me. Get to know me. We don't know each other. You've never heard of me. Come spend a day with me risk-free. And that's what they can expect of what we call the strategy breakthrough. Uh, and it's just an incredible, powerful day uh, all around strategy. And let me be clear, it's training. It's not a mindset thing. We're not talking about beliefs. It's all about strategically moving your business to where you want it to get it. And that's what they can expect by attending Strategy Breakthrough. And so because the show is evergreen, we want to give people two things. So number one, um, for people that are listening live, where is the event and when is it? So the event is, it's, a, it's the same day repeated. So it's on the 7th and the 8th. So attend either of those days. It's at the Marriott in Culver City in Los Angeles. Uh, and it's a 10 to 4 event. Um, will I send you the link, Steve, and it will just sit below, or do I need to spell it out? Yes, we'll have the link right there with the Perfect. with the interview on the website. Um, so secondly, uh, for people who are either listening to it, it's like, well, that was a year and a half ago, or, you know, or they live on the other side of the country or what have you. Um, how can people engage with you? Okay. Uh, can I give for three things? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So one of them, um, I will also give you the link for a 100K blueprint, which people can download, and it literally breaks down everything we've just discussed. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, literally, we go through the four steps of analyzing your avatar, then working out the marketing strategy, then how to measure it and how to scale. So I'll give you that too. Uh, and then the other way is just come on my website. It's elliotk.com. Uh, reach out. There's the form. There's all the information that you, you might want to do to reach out to me and find out more about me. I think that's the best way to engage. Sorry, can I add a fourth thing? I just remembered it. Sure. Great. Uh, and you can join the Strategy Room on Facebook. It's The Strategy Room on Facebook. And that's just a great way to interact, to connect with us. Uh, we can, you know, I do week, um, daily things like Monday is Focus Monday, Tuesday's Q&A where I go on Facebook Live and answer questions about business building. So join it. It's a great community. It's a global community. It's growing fast. Uh, and we'd love to see you on there too. So I will send you all the links for this, Steve. Um, but we'd love to connect. And, you know, just reach out to me, Elliot K, E-L-L-I-O-T-K-A-Y. Um, and let's, let's get together. Let's talk. So ElliotK.com uh, or just reach out on Facebook and join the strategy room. Absolutely. And I encourage you, if you're not looking at it on the website, go to ElliotK.com or the strategy room in Facebook and connect with Elliot and really get your strategy together. Elliot, thanks so much for spending some time with us here today and uh, sharing just a little bit of peek into how people can do what they're passionate about and actually make money doing it. Thank you very much for having me. And anytime you want me back, Steve, I'd love to come back. Don't you want to do that? I mean, don't you want to do what you're passionate about 
every day. I mean, the old saying of do the thing that only you can do and then, uh, you know, give to other people in your company all the rest of the stuff, that only really works if you have what you're passionate about in your company. If what you really like to do is do something else, you're going to really struggle with being able to, first of all, find that thing that only you can do, but second of all, really uh, enjoy long-term the business. Um, And I really want that for you. So I really do hope that you've taken some notes and you really have some ideas now, both of what you're passionate about, but also how you can make money living in the heart of that passion. That would be an awesome thing for all of us to live. And that's going to help us live every day as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We're here again at the end segment of our show, and I really do encourage you to check out all of the free offers that Elliot made to us. If you happen to be in the area during his live event, go check it out. Um, You know, it's important that you find a way to really, truly focus in on the heart of your passion. Uh, As marketing company, you know, that Kathy and I have done for over 20 years now, one of the number one, well, not one of the number one thing we want to help you do is identify the core of your avatar. Who are you serving? Who is that client? And before you can do that, you really have to know yourself because if you're just, you know, trying to generically come up with somebody. If you're doing random surveys and searches to see, um, you know, where there might be a trend or a need or a niche or those kind of things for you to fill, but it doesn't start with the core of who you are. It's very, very hard to contain that and to keep going with that. And what we really want you to do is thrive in your life and business. Remember, our website, wehelpyouthrive.com, is here all the time to help you out, to help you thrive. There are hundreds of episodes just like this one from thought leaders, experts, people like Matthew Knowles, who talks to us about his book, The DNA of Achievers. 
what's inside of the DNA of great people that have achieved. Lisa Nichols has been on and she's talked to us about our mindset and about how we can never really go any further than what we can really truly imagine. Speaking of which, Ernie Villanueva has been on the show and um, you know he will tell you that what the mind can conceive and believe, that's what it can achieve. And so many others. Um, you know, we've got a good friend of mine, Nafisa Shireen, who's going to be on here in another couple of weeks. She's going to talk to us again about knowing yourself well enough to know what kind of life you want to live to then be able to really define that passion. So we're going to be sticking around in this general passion concept back and forth over the course of the next couple of weeks or so. We really want to help you out. We really want you to be able to truly thrive in your life and business. Um, you know, we would love to see and hear your stories because that's a big piece of what Kathy and I do in the world. We help share you, share your stories with the world. Now, the number one place to interact with Kathy and I is always at bestsellersguild.com. It's a free Facebook group. That's just a URL that's going to take you to the Best Sellers Guild. You could look up Best Sellers Guild on Facebook and get there too. But if you go bestsellersguild.com, you can get there. You can join for free. There's about 2,400 people there currently as I'm doing this live. And, you know, if you listen to it a couple of years from now, it'll be even bigger than that of people who are just like yourself. They're in varying different, uh, you know, parts of the process of sharing where they are right now with the world. And so one of the questions that a person often says is, is, well, is this story good enough? Does anybody want to hear this? Is it worth putting out there? And here's what I want you to know. There's always somebody that's two steps, five steps, 10 steps, a hundred steps behind you. There are people ahead of you. There are mentors, inspirers, people that, uh, you know, help inspire and engage us to a new and better level. But there are also people that need to know those simple things that you do. And often, as we've been talking all day about this passion thing, often the thing that's the heart of our passion, that thing that we're meant to do, we do it so easily, so well, with so much grace, with so much dignity, with so much ease, that we have discounted it. We don't even give ourselves credit for it. If somebody were to ask you, yeah, but what about that, you know, amazing pie you make? Um, what about, you know, how great of people your children are? Um, you know, what about that car that you built from scratch? What about, you know, and I mean, you can fill it in, in the blank in yours, what that thing might be. But in the end, that is often something that we say, well, pfft, yeah, you know, everybody can do that. You know, I mean, it's just a pie, you know, I mean, you just put the ingredients together and you put it in the oven and poof pie, you know, rather than being like, you know what? There are some people that cannot boil water. They burn a pot or a pan if they even tried putting it on the stove. There are people who, um, you know, don't know how to turn a stove on. They don't know how a microwave works. I'm not talking about, you know, older people who have never had a microwave in their house. I'm talking about people who have a microwave, they just never use it. 
it was amazing to me to hear stories. Um, it was actually a few years ago on Oprah. She was talking to people about cooking food from home and how much money they could save uh, if they cooked at home. People that had literally never in decades used the kitchen in their house. You know, so you may feel like that thing that you have is small and insignificant, but to the world, to somebody who's on Google right now searching for it, it's the answer that they need. And so you need to share where you are. You need to share your passion with the world. You need to share your story, yourself, with everybody in the world. And that starts in your book. It starts in your, if you've, uh, you know, if you're listening live, you may have just gone through Jen Kim's brand story challenge. I encourage you to check that out. If you've never been through Jennifer Kim's brand story challenge, an amazing way of really hoping, helping you hone in on what is the brand, what is the uniqueness of who you are and how you show up in the world. Um, you know, it's those kind of things, but then you got to show up then you need to put that story out there. Your book needs to become alive, a living, real thing that you share with the world, that you help people with that thing that you do easily so that they have the ability to be able to really thrive in their life. And you can come join us at Bestsellers Guild, bestsellersguild.com, and uh, you can really truly live in the heart and the soul of your passion you can really thrive in your life in your business it's an important thing because each of us is here for a reason and if we don't fulfill the thing that we are meant to do then the world is not as good of a place as it could be we need you because you are uniquely brilliant you are uniquely brilliant you, not somebody else, not the guy next to you. I'm talking to you. You're unique. There's no one else like you. And what you do being you is amazing. It's brilliant. You are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. You are not an accident. You know, T.G. Jake says that God was so interested in having you come to exist in the world that he didn't care what two people it took. Some of us, the miracle of our child, uh, you know, of our birth has to do with two people who loved each other amazingly and came together and created life. Other people, their story is not that good. You know, Kathy talks about the fact that, uh, you know, she was adopted and, uh, you know, was, you know, has just recently found her family. Um, and although the more we learn about it, the more that it was probably a real blessing that her mom gave her up. She was created for a purpose. Two people who shouldn't have been together came together and made my amazing wife, and I'm grateful for that. Because in the end, you need to understand, the world needs you. Nobody else can replace you. Nobody else can be you. Please know that Kathy and I are here to help you live every day of your life in the heart and soul of your passion so that as you show up in the world, as you live in life and business, you can be a thriving entrepreneur. I want that for you. And I hope until next time we talk that you'll have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. 
If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.